Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. If you missed our last episode, we talked about old fantasy land. We covered things like dining, old attractions, shopping, all that stuff. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go ahead and do that after this episode. We have a special guest today. We have Frank Cardillo with the Dillo's Diz podcast. Say hello, Frank. Hello, Angela. Hello, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yes, we are so excited to have you on the show today. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself, about your podcast, and tell everyone what we're going to cover today. Sure. I've been in about in theater and entertainment for about 20 years. As a big improv, improvisation background. I produced a little small-scale theater here in New York City, and I wanted to save a little money, so I went into podcasting about two years ago. No, you don't really <laughs> save money in podcasting. It doesn't really happen. Uh, but my sister and I decided to get together and put together a Disney-based podcast it's we say it's a salute to all theme parks but mostly walt disney world but really it's about two disney kids growing old so jen and i who have entertained our family at family gatherings for years and years finally putting our voices to work with uh dillo's diz theme park thursday with dillo's diz we tried to blog that didn't work for a long time we started blogging in 2011 uh, i think we finally have found our way here the past year and a half or so what so you've done this overall for probably Eight years now? Yeah, probably mostly, yeah, 2011. What year is this? It's 2019? Yeah, it's about, I don't yeah. know what year it is anymore. Yeah, about eight years total, but the blogging was really sporadic. We've done the podcasting regularly for about a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why Brian and I just switched to YouTube. We're like, oh, we gave the blog a shot. Let's just do videos now. <laughs> Yo, I like I like writing, but I like talking a lot more. So Yeah, it, it, uh, it's an easier, yeah, just, just go. You have no choice but to speak and go. I agree. <laughs> exactly. Now, we were talking earlier, and you actually worked at a Disney park at one point. Yeah, I worked at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios on the podcast. We call it hashtag always MGM because way back Back then, in the mid-90s, it was the Disney MGM Studios. I started working there while I was at, in college at the University of the, uh, Central Florida, eh, late 95, and worked there periodically through the end of 1999. Wow. Well, that's, I guess, a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. So would you like to explain that for I us? I sure will. We are in the midst, I, I don't want to call it a renaissance per se, but it, it's a very <laughs> spectacular time to be at Disney's Hollywood Studios because in the month of May, we just celebrated the Disney Hollywood Studios 30th anniversary. And it's the same kind of energy. I feel like that it had around the opening because we're in this in-between place between the opening of Toy Story Land and the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And I find that very reminiscent of what was happening the first couple of years of the park's opening. So this is an exciting time. I, I think people don't realize how exciting of a time it really is at Disney's Hollywood Studios mm-hmm. because they're just seeing things that aren't open right now. But this is, is going to be a great time in the next year or so. Well, and that's why we've, we've been kind of not so patiently waiting for the last two years or so mm-hmm. as MGM was basically 
reduced to a park with four rides right. at one mm-hmm. point, yeah. uh, and then you know a handful of shows. So it, it's finally going to start paying off with uh, with the MGM announcement no, for sure. I think it's obviously going to be the park to be at come August 29th. And I think you're going to see then another wave follow probably closer to the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Absolutely. Well, let's let's just jump right in talking a little bit about, you know, how Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disney's MGM kind of started. Spanning 135 acres, this park was dedicated to the imagined worlds from film, television, music, and theater, drawing inspiration from the golden age of Hollywood, which was a good time for film. Uh, It opened in 1989, and it originally included a production studio and animation facility, and I believe a back lot as Mm -hmm. well. These production facilities were removed throughout the 2000s, and then that MGM name changed to Disney's Hollywood Studios in 2008. But did it really change? (laughs) Well, depending on when the first time you went to that park was. I mean, I still occasionally slip because I went there when it was MGM. But yes, let's let's talk. Let's go down memory lane for a little bit. I love memory lane. (laughs) I I know I spend a lot of time there. Uh, What memories do you each most associate with? Disney's MGM, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Well, I think what's really for me, I was um, to turn 15 in 1989. So for me, that was like a prime time to like figure out my life kind of thing. And, and really the studios cemented not only my love of Walt Disney World and all things Disney, but you know, what you do as a teenager, you go to the movies, it's what you do. So to be at the movies every week and then see a little bit of the behind the scenes of how movies were made and the production elements involved, like that whole blending together really spoke to me in a way I wasn't prepared for the, I was, I was, I was a high school baseball player. I didn't know that I wanted to be involved in performing or entertainment or anything like that. And the studios really opened my eyes to that. And, you know, the eighties were a very nostalgic time. A lot of people were nostalgic for the fifties. It's, you know, people, all of a sudden you're getting things on VHS, like uh, the lost honeymooners episodes and you had movies like back to the future, which is a very nostalgic movie. Mm -hmm. And to walk into the studios is is perhaps the most it is definitely for me the most nostalgic because the magic kingdom is the family park and and it, it undergoes the least amount of change and epcot is definitely like to me the baby boomer park if you like the the world's fair back in the 60s and things like that epcot's definitely that exposition that expo type of theme park and the studios to me is the most nostalgic because everyone loves the movies and everyone loves tv and everyone loves radio so to visit that park you're getting you know submerged really in nostalgia which is my favorite (laughs) what about you brian i don't actually remember a ton from the mgm days i was I visited the park, but I think when I was young, I really, we really only went to Disney World once every like 10 years or so. So I think <laughs> there was really just one time that it was in its original glory, I guess, uh-huh. maybe, <laughs> um, where it would have been in 1994, something like that, I think was, was when I was there. I would have been 16 at the time. So I was a little bit too cool for that kind of stuff. I think <laughs> that's the age, at least for, I don't know about, about for girls, at least for boys. I, I feel like most of us went through that period from like, you know, 14 to 18 or so where 
You just didn't want to risk anything that might be seen as uncool. And then eventually <laughs> most of us tend to grow out of that. But I think I was in that period. So I was just kind of like, ugh, like this is all old stuff. Oh, they're drawing cartoons. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't care. So <laughs> the one I really, really remember is the backlot tour actually Mm -hmm. now i'm pretty sure it wasn't the super duper long backlot tour i think it had already been pared down from Mm -hmm. that but it was still the one that went down you know this is still the section where streets of america was closed except for the backlot tour and i remember the uh flight of the navigator ship Mm -hmm. and that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff like i feel like most of my my early memories from hollywood studios are from mostly that tour and of course, Tower of Terror, which I wrote, oh. I think, 55 right. times during that trip. <laughs> right. And, and oh, 94 absolutely. is right when the Tower of Terror opened. So yeah, that would be right yeah. in your wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. My biggest memories are, you know, being a kid, just kind of the atmosphere and my feelings. You know, that's that's what I really remember is like emotions. You know, we went once when I was a kid, probably five or six. So I remember walking down Sunset Boulevard and eating those turkey legs, which were huge and greasy. And oh, I got so messy. But I just remember like everyone in my family had them when we were all wearing like fanny packs and oversized white t-shirts. It was very, very 90s of us. Um, <laughs> With Taz spray painted on the front Oh my of the gosh. We, oh, each, yeah. we each had like a granola bar and like a pack of sprees in our fanny pack. Like we were just like rocking it. I remember that and I remember, oh, great movie ride. Like, I'm like huge with like big band, jazz, genre, like those kind of genres. So that kind of music playing, oh, it's just like, it's my it's my jam. <laughs> um, and then finally, I, I remember doing the American Idol experience. I did that twice. And they made a big deal out of that. Like, like you're in hair and makeup and you work with a choreographer and they do like B-roll and interview you and have you like walking down by the... Uh, ABC commissary. Right. They like film mm-hmm. you walking down, waving to the camera. They just like do it up so much. So I'd say that's probably my biggest memory because it was so, it was like 17. I felt super cool at the time. Did you actually perform? Yeah, I was on the stage twice. I did it two separate times. Yeah, it was very fun. My friend, my one of my groomsmen in my wedding, uh, Ali, he was uh, one of the opening, he used to warm up the crowd uh, at the American Idol experience. Oh, yeah. very cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was, it was great. And that, that stage is huge. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, American Idol Experience is one of the attraction, one of the very, the very few attractions that has been open since I started working for Touring Blends that mm. I never saw. I did see uh, Who Wants mm-hmm. to Be a Millionaire uh, play it. I think it I was, did not but, uh, see that, and uh, I was like, like one question away from making it to the chair. And actually, really, playing. I was very mad. Yeah. Both, of, but, both of those attractions, wow. both the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire play it and the American Idol Experience, like just missed the window of of the height of the popularity, like the madness. It was on the yes. opposite side of the of the bell curve. I feel like it didn't quite catch the popularity right. wave. Which is actually a little bit of a, a microcosm of, mm-hmm. of those early mm-hmm. MGM years is starting something that is just a little bit too late. Uh, you know, the lights, like mm-hmm. the, the lights, motors action, I feel like was, was a little mm-hmm. bit like that where it, it came in maybe a year or two later right. than it probably should. And hangs around a little too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we can still say that <laughs> about yeah. some things. That's a great point. The weekend that I started a little movie came out called toy story have you heard of it and there was gonna be a parade at the studios and people are like excited to be in the parade but 
But Buzz and Woody, they were only going to be in the parade. You weren't going to see them out. They weren't going to be that popular. It was just like a nice little tie-in to have a Toy Story parade at the studios after Aladdin's Royal Caravan. And they make the joke in Toy Story 2 about, you know, the world not being prepared for Buzz Lightyear's popularity. Uh, mm-hmm. they, sure, they sure weren't prepared for the popularity of Buzz and Woody in the theme parks. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine. They didn't start meet and greets right away, did they? Or was it pretty soon after? They had to make some quick decisions fast because I personally worked with Buzz and Woody on Christmas Day, 1995, which is a, a month after the movie came out. And, uh, you know, Buzz and Woody weren't prepared to do autographs. You know, like they still have the stampers mm-hmm. now to this day. But right. uh, on Christmas Day in 1995, they had a Sharpie marker wedged between their fingers. <laughs> and uh, oh my God. and they were in a little corner across from what is now Pizza Rizzo, like over by the shop there. And you know, this is when Muppet Vision was huge and a huge amount of people would get released out of there. And just you thought Buzz and Woody were the Beatles on Christmas Day in 1995. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's just insane. And and it just goes to show like you never know what attractions and what characters are going to mm-hmm. stick and which ones people are going to be like, hmm, swing right. this. <laughs> For sure. Because a, a year later, when uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame came out, well, the summer of 96, people were like all prepared for that with like a dining experience, the whole thing. Not so much. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're over it. The characters are, are funny to read because, I mean, some of them, like Anna and Elsa, they were still a little a little sluggish getting them in mm-hmm. the parks, but you kind of knew they were going to be huge. Right. But the one that still surprises me, which we talked about a little bit on our last episode with, with Fantasyland, is Merida, mm. because she's been there for years now and still yeah. has pretty decent yeah. lines. And Brave is not the most popular of, of Pixar or princess films. Yeah. And she's uh, just a fantastic character to meet. Yeah. She's She's been, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge princess person, Frank, like ridiculous, <laughs> still sing the songs okay. every day. She's been my favorite princess to meet. I mean, she's just great. So, I mean, again, just goes to show you, like, you cannot anticipate how yeah. big the characters are going to be until you just put no, them in the Every parts. time I pass her meet and greet area, I'm always like, oh, the popularity. But, you know, what's funny is that the whole dream big campaign they do on the Disney Channel, I, I always feel like mm-hmm. all it's always she's the one that stands out in those ads where they're very driven towards the princesses. For some reason, she stands out to me above all the rest, which I think is amazing considering the popularity mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even in, in the, the Wreck-It Ralph uh, sequel where they had all the princesses like she was kind of the used as the, the comedic relief because no one could understand her accent. <laughs> I know. Um, it's so funny. Yeah. It's she does. She's a, she's a better character than the, the film. <laughs> she was in, probably. But I just want to say that I love that I'm talking with two guys and we still managed to steer the direction towards princesses. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> feel like I just, this is great. Well, um, I, have a, I have a 10 year old daughter, so I know a lot about yeah. princesses. And I have, I have a three year old daughter. Oh, so. so you are just starting your journey through every princess yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> well, let's move on to attractions. I mean, there are enough attractions that it would take a long time to go through all of them as far as what's currently at Hollywood Studios. So let's just go through, let's just go through our favorites. Let's just pick a few. What do you want to start with, Frank? You you can, you're the golden boy today. I mean, I I love Tower of Terror. I think it's, you know, top three all-time greatest Walt Disney World attractions. Mm, but to that. me, the big three attract, like if I'm thinking of the studios, the history of the studios, the, the three I think of 
most are Great Movie Ride, Star Tours, and Muppet Vision. Those are those are the three that speak to me, spoke to me the most. Oh Great Movie Ride. Now that was an opening day attraction, and it's one that like I will still get bitter and upset about if you bring it up to me because I'm so <laughs> upset that they got rid of it. Why did they do that? Why don't they just move it somewhere? Like, don't just get rid of it. It was such a great ride. I'm still sad about it, <laughs> if you can't tell. See, I think the, the writing was on the wall for a long yeah. time, though, because it needed updates and it needed attention and love. And it was definitely, the time was passing it by. But and there's few scenes in attractions in all of Disney World as good as the Oz scene. Coming into Oz oh, is I know. one of the great moments on Walt Disney World attractions, I think. I know. But I mean, you don't see them getting rid of Spaceship Earth here. They're doing like a two year <laughs> refurb. They're not just throwing it away. Oh. Well, and I, and I think that's kind of what they had to decide between was, okay, do we close Great Movie Ride for, for two or three years and redo half of the scenes in it? Or, you know, because some of those classic movie, Casablanca, that kind of stuff, like they could have kept easily, A Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Mm-hmm. But things like, you know, Alien, they probably had to, right. to take out. And I think they just figured, you know, let's put something in there that we don't have to update every 10 years. I was never a huge fan of the great movie ride. Uh, (laughs) There are certain scenes in it I like. I like the interactivity with, well, two things. I like that there are different paths that you can get. You get Mm -hmm. slightly different rides, whether you go the Western side or the gangster side. Those are the two choices, right? I never got the Western side once, ever. I got it. I think the very last time I wrote it, I think I got that one. And it was the first time I'd gotten it in a long time. I had no Um, idea that was a thing until I watched a ride through like last year. (laughs) I didn't Um, even know. And um, and I really liked that they had actual like cast members that involved in the process, and, and mm-hmm. I thought that was was a really fun wrinkle that I have a feeling we won't really be seeing much of again. But I'm I'm pretty excited for what's what's eventually replacing it. I guess on Theme Park Thursday with the Lowe's Diz, we uh, don't like change. That's the Lowe's Diz thing. We don't like change, <laughs> <laughs> and really, you know, it takes it just takes us time to adjust to the change. And I think with the movie ride, it's kind of a double whammy because it's not only the movie ride closing, but also we're not really fans of the new Mickey Mini animation that is associated with the ride. So it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a double edged thing happening for us that we don't know which one we're more upset about. <laughs> No, I mean, I definitely get it. I don't like change either. I mean, I'm that person where it's like, it really takes me a solid month to like, get used to something that's different. And so, but as you can see, it's now been a couple of years, and I'm still mad about the great movie ride. That being said, my kids love the Mickey Mouse shorts. Mm -hmm. And so I think they will love this ride and the technology, you know, Disney keeps going on and on about so I think it is going to be a great ride. But as we had once expected it to be a 2019 edition, possibly coming out the week before Galaxy's Edge, we now know that it has been delayed into probably like what, mid 2020 now? I think spring 2020 is what they're officially saying now, but. They've pulled all their resources towards uh, the planet of Batu, is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and there's been inklings that, that it actually could possibly be ready for. Like, 
even maybe the end of, of 2019, but they just don't really want to open an attraction right then. So they'd rather just wait until spring, like spring break time when the crowds mm-hmm. are looking for something else to do kind of thing. So Right. I mean, give it its moment, but at the same time, you know, where are the extra crowds going to go if they don't have that well, They're all going to be waiting in line, apparently. <laughs> I know. Like, how are you going to get around? I am kind of the opposite of, of the two of you. For the most part, I am not sentimental, even a little bit. <laughs> like my wife and I are the ones that we actually just threw out most of the proofs from our wedding photos. Oh my God. Um, you know, and so where, yeah, I mean, we, we kept some of them and we have, you know, like the photos on the wall and that kind of stuff, but no, we do not keep things. So anytime an attraction, there, there's a couple of attractions. I mean, Frank mentioned tower of terror. If they did do something with the tower of terror, like, uh, like they did in California Adventure, where they changed it to Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a ride I really enjoy. Uh-huh. But their Tower of Terror was was not nearly as good as as the Florida one. Yeah, I think it would be a, a tougher thing uh, here. Yeah, you know, I hear good things about Guardians yeah. over in Disneyland, but I. Uh... Yeah, I, I like it a lot, and I their tower was always disappointing because it doesn't have the fi- the fifth element. It's just mm-hmm. a go up, oh. go back down thing. Okay. But if they had changed the tower in Florida, if they take out you know certain rides like Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean, things like that, I would be very against that. Mm-hmm. Not that I think any of those are imminent by any means, but for the most part, when an, an attraction is gone, I'm like, like Ellen's energy adventure or a great movie ride. I'm like, Oh, that was old. Great. Let's do something new. Cool. You know, right. which it gets me yelled at a lot by uh, the Disney community. Well, and I, so. yeah, I think that's the, that's the in between of great movie ride because it needed those updates for a long time. So it feels like, okay, I understand, but also, you know, there was all, are they going to change yeah. the name of the park? Or are they not going to change the name of the park? Is it going to be known as something <laughs> else and not a studios? And so the fact that they don't really know about that Hollywood element, I suppose, led to a more drastic change. But it's good to have a Mickey ride. I'm not going to like that's where we can start with it is like, hey, there's a Mickey ride. I think that's exciting. Well, and now we have a new logo for the park, which I was going to talk about a little later. But does that mean now we're not getting a new name for the park? Sure seems that way. I mean, me again, it's funny because we say hashtag always MGM, but also if it had changed to a different name and they like had that survey that went out a couple of years ago with a bunch of ridiculous suggestions <laughs> that I don't, I can't recall any of them. They, none of them were memorable, so don't change it. But I would defend right. the Hollywood studios because to me, the different elements of entertainment should still exist in that. They still exist right now in that park. So the idea mm-hmm. of Hollywood studios I don't think should go away, but the logo seems to suggest they keep putting band-aids on it. But wasn't it a rushed park to begin with to compete with Universal Studios anyway? Well, definitely. Oh, yeah. yes. Right. I think the history was that, that it was going to be an attraction in Epcot, and then Eisner, Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. liked it so much that he decided to uh, make it its own park. And then when Universal came into play, yeah, they put the foot on the accelerator. Yeah. Yeah, and here I, I did find some of some of those names, and there are rumors. I don't know how substantiated they are that some of these names were purposely leaked uh, so that the the feedback could be terrible, <laughs> and that Disney would decide not to use them. Mm-hmm. The one that supposedly was the closest to going was Cinemagine yeah, yeah. Park. Yeah. Um, there was the the survey choices were Beyond, Cinemagic, Cinemagine. <laughs> Hyperia, Kaleidoscope, Legends, Storyverse, and XL Park. Which I don't like any of these. No, literally none of them. If you had to pick one, which one would you pick? 
I'd probably go with Hyperia mm. because it kind of, I mean, obviously it has, has links to Walt Disney himself, right. but it kind of means nothing yeah. because the others like Kaleidoscope or XL, I, none, they just don't make any sense to what, to a theme park yeah, at all. Think, so I'd rather go, I'd rather just pick a nothing when word. You th- when you said right. legends, I was kind of like, eh. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, go. I, I don't want to keep pushing your sentimental button here, Brian, but <laughs> you know, again, <laughs> if you can find it, push comparing, it. Yeah. comparing yeah. the, the park now compared to then, you know, to me, when the park opened, it went in this wave of like hitting each of my nostalgia buttons, which was, you know, star tours and Muppets weren't open yet. So by the time I visited the first time, which was December 1989, you know, Indiana Jones stunt show had opened. So it was like, oh, my God, you know, this is Indiana Jones come to life. And that was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And then Star Tours opened right after that. So it reminded me of how much of a Star Wars nut I was until the age of nine. And then the Muppets opened Mm -hmm. and that was like this. It was like a hat trick. It was it was a trifecta of nostalgia for me. And I feel like now with Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, What's the third thing going to be? I feel like there's one more waiting in the wings. Yeah. Well, at this yeah. point, they I mean, if they did change it, they needed to incorporate something that, I don't know, expresses like, these are all classics. Like Star Wars is a classic. Indiana Jones, classic. Tower of Terror has now yeah. become a classic, you know. I mean, I know it, you know, came about in 94, mm-hmm. but still, even Toy Story, they're on their fourth film. It's now, you know, kind of embedded itself as a classic film because it's spread over now, what, two generations? It'll be 25 years old next year, too. It's not right. recent right. either. Right. So. I mean, all everything there pretty much is now, you know, spreading over mm-hmm. generations. So, yeah. I don't know, something in that title. Well, and they still could go with something that is living in the movies kind of thing because they, for the most part, everything in there is still, you know, you could argue is still based on movies with the exception of Rock and Roller Coaster. Right. But they're discussing a, a slight retheming of that yeah. anyway. So they could fit that in, in into that. But everything else, like, you could pretty much argue everything is somewhat related to popular mm-hmm. movies so mm-hmm. yeah that would actually be a good one is just make it movie themed completely as a title which maybe is what they're figuring and that's why they might just keep the name and hopefully update the logo again because uh if anyone watching has not or listening and we're not on youtube <laughs> right now uh if anyone listening has not seen the new logo i would suggest you google that and when you see the one that just looks like aerial black <laughs> typeface with a couple of disney mm-hmm. photos in the middle of it yes that's the real one <laughs> it's not a joke no brian brian you put out the funniest tweet about that too do you remember what you wrote i it was something along the lines of uh, an executive walking into the room and saying okay we're ready to unveil the new logo and then the person that was in charge of designing the logo going oh uh, give me two minutes. <laughs> and that's like literally what it looks like. Yeah. It's just like very thrown together, but I guess it's very clean. I don't mind the actual like cleanliness of the, the font. It's just kind of the characters popping out of the letters is a weird choice. That woody animation makes me a little nutty. Yeah. I feel like there was, if they wanted to integrate characters into it, there was a, a more stylistic way to do it than just having them shoved into the various letters. But yeah, just kind of random. But let's, okay, let's move on to the, the second attraction because that was one. Um, <laughs> got through a couple in there. It was just a little bit of a tangent. Uh, Muppet Vision 3D. This is one that I felt like I saw a lot when I was, you know, when I went once when I was younger and then throughout high school. And then I kind of never saw it again 
I don't remember a ton of it, but from what I remember, isn't it kind of similar to like the Mickey's Philhar Magic where it does like kind of the sense and the things squirting out at you, except it's a show, 3D, you know, Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kermit takes you on a tour of the Muppet Labs and Bunsen and Beaker create this 3D character that kind of takes over the whole theater. I, I heard and, you your know, voice yeah. drop as soon as you got to it, too. <laughs> the 3D character. <laughs> you're like oh and they it's a, it's, and they, they take you on a tour of the labs and then there's a 3d character <laughs> you're like no i have to see this again. it's the only original <laughs> character to the the show in it and yeah it's yeah there's, a, there's like some classic muppet bitage along the way but you can when you see if you go now you know we went a lot when it came out because a lot of the lines are still so funny and we love the Muppet show. We love the Muppet movies growing up. So it was very, but you see the wear and tear of it. Now you see that there's not much, you know, attention, much love given to it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people worry that the Muppets are in jeopardy and rightfully so, because I think Disney does not take good care of the Muppets. (laughs) Oh, the poor Muppets. I do remember, aren't the old men in the balcony? I remember that. Yeah. Old men. Mm -hmm. Statler and Waldo are in the balcony. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's like all I remember. This is where I definitely feel that Frank, and I are, are quite a bit older than you because as you're talking about the old men in the ba- balcony. I'm, yeah, that's us. We're, that's the two of us right now. We're the old men in the yeah. balcony, Brian. Uh, you guys have to be a little more crotchety to be the old men in the balcony. Oh, I'm real close to Statler and Waldorf. But uh, yeah, this is one that I am a little bit torn on because it probably should be replaced or updated, but this is also the last thing that Jim Henson worked on himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I would really hate for it to go away completely, but it, it does. They need to update the projectors or the film or something mm-hmm. needs to be changed because it looks real, real grainy. Uh, I mm-hmm. see this one a lot. I'll actually, even when I'm when I'm there on work trips, if I just need air conditioning or something for a while, I'll jump in and see, see Muppets. My kids who have very little connection to the Muppets, they've seen the more recent movies, but they still really, really enjoy the show it's it's fun it moves fast there are legitimately good jokes in it as as all the older muppet stuff has but yeah frank i i agree like disney has a lot of people within the company that are also huge muppet fans and they are really trying to get them back in the public consciousness Mm -hmm. and it has not been working so yeah i am afraid that at some point they're just going to take this whole area and turn it into a gateway between star tours and galaxy's edge yeah, I've been wondering yeah, that. yeah, that's I, I feel like that's the biggest thing about both of those attractions right now and where they well, how much in peril both of those attractions are, because I think it'd be easy to move whatever, you know, the Star Tours ride in, you know, and find space inside Galaxy's Edge if they mm-hmm. wanted to keep Star Tours or to turn Star Tours into something else more thematically. You know, it's just a weird disjointedness right now that I my brain doesn't wrap itself around. <laughs> I, I'm still honestly shocked that the Muppets survived uh, mm-hmm. St- Galaxy's Edge going in. I thought for sure they would build Galaxy's Edge right up mm-hmm. against Star Tours. I think they got to find, easy. they got to make sure they can put eight to 1200 people in a theater somewhere for 15 minutes at a time. I think that's why it's surviving right now is because it holds a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know, well, star tours was the other, the other attraction that Mm -hmm. that you had mentioned. I assume Frank, then you are a star Wars fan. No, I'm a big star Wars fan. I saw, I mean, that's like my earliest memory at this point is seeing star Wars with my mom and my aunt in uh, 1977 when I was two, I wasn't even three yet. And it was like the first movie I saw. Wow. Mm -hmm. Earliest memory. Yeah, wow. for sure. The Star Destroyer coming over the screen. 
for sure. I don't know if you know that we've been doing a Star Wars rewatch leading up to the opening of Galaxy's oh, Edge cool. in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What are your plans for? Are you going to Galaxy's Edge soon or? I am going to the Disneyland opening uh-huh. and yeah. uh, Angela will be going to the Wor- Disney World oh, opening. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so. Not jealous yes. at all. I'm not jealous of that at all. I'm very happy to watch you. <laughs> I am just very happy that I got Disneyland one because I it, it opens first, but also because I get you know reservations right. for it. Yeah. Where poor Angela it sounds like is going to just be in line overnight. <laughs> um, I think he planned it that way to make me suffer. <laughs> what was so, the uh, reservation experience like? Oh, it's been pretty terrible. He's <laughs> uh, been on the phone like two or three times like this week. Mm-hmm. I oh, I, almost. I feel like almost every day I am I am calling for one thing or another. Yeah, they the emails aren't going out when they should. The then the phone lines get really backed up because they mess something up, and then it's worked out well in the end for us. But it's been uh, because I'm also making reservations for like three other people that that work for touring plans, and it's been a lot of of work for something that should have been reasonably easy to do but the end will be worth it the end result we'll see i mean i i yeah i am i am beyond thrilled to be able to actually see galaxy's edge but i am still very nervous about how their crowd control is going to work i think it is going to be a mass of people that uh, i'm hoping they are not underestimating I mean, speaking of that you know rather than than beat around it i guess we should mention uh, we are recording this right after Disney has announced how uh, the, the, the hour the park hour changes for Hollywood studios around galaxy's edge opening. So uh, it will be opening at 6 AM to the public on August. What is it? 29th and 30th, I think. And then after that, there will be an extra, extra magic hour for the next two months from August 31st through November 2nd. Hooray. Hollywood studios will have a 6 AM to 9 AM extra magic hour period for resort guests. So uh, it sounds like they're just going to let people line up for it, which (laughs) sounds like a very bad idea to me, but uh, I do not get to make the decision. So, all right. So now back to star tours, I was actually just, as we were talking about the possibility of, of demolishing Muppets. uh, And uh, I, I was kind of looking to see if there was a way that they could connect star tours to galaxy's edge without doing that and just kind of rerouting the queue but it's it's a little farther away than i thought uh, so frank what what do you think the future holds for star tours i mean yeah i think there's a couple of things like i said about the muppets with you know i think because it has significant seating for the crowds of galaxy's edge i think it's gonna stick around for a little while i think disney plus the streaming service is a factor in this whole thing if they can't get a muppet show that makes them popular again Mm -hmm. then i think they'll decide to let the muppets go and that i I think then it will fall into place what happens to star tours i could see star tours moving into galaxy's edge but i also could see it just being you know the end point of galaxy's edge well and the muppets is also at magic kingdom park in liberty square so they are trying to bring it to the forefront of things a little more than they were yeah they keep trying that's for sure I mean, this decade, you've seen the the Jason Siegel version, you know, that people thought was going to send them send them back up in popularity. It didn't work out. And then Muppets Most Wanted didn't work well, out. I think the reason then, it didn't work out was mostly yeah. because of Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah. Um, and, and then the TV show, did the most recent TV show where they tried to do like the, the office modern family thing. That was not the best idea either. It was a good show. It got better as time went on, but people jumped off 
the bandwagon mm-hmm. real quick because they didn't like what they saw. I will say that Muppet Babies on Disney Junior is mm-hmm. doing really well. And my mm-hmm. kids ask to watch that show. So at least for the the little ones right now, the little tots, they are loving Muppet mm-hmm. Babies. Yeah, Muppet so, Babies is in heavy rotation here as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there, there's still hope with the with the tiny. Yeah, no, I think there's hope, but it's, it's the follow through. It's the execution of it all. I think. Yeah. Is. We're like really analyzing the Muppets right now. We're like getting, getting well, deep with this. Well, I'm going to jump back to Star Tours again because <laughs> I I am a huge Star Wars fan. I really like Star Tours, and I I like a lot since they made the transition to to the adventure continues um mm-hmm. I, I i do miss you know rex in the old one but mm-hmm. uh it did make me a little bit nauseous before yes. and it doesn't oh, yeah. now so that's cool but even if they move it to the big to the start of galaxy's edge it, it it just doesn't quite fit like they have that big berm built around galaxy's mm-hmm. edge mm-hmm. to kind mm-hmm. of you know so you're in a, on another planet and i just right. I just don't see how it fits in with the story. I, I, yeah. I do worry that five years from now, you know, we'll be talking about what is replacing Star Wars, or Star Wars, uh, Star Tours. I mean, well, and uh, where it is now, it's drawing away the crowds from Galaxy's Edge, so it, it's in a good spot right now. Oh yeah, it, it, nothing at Hollywood Studios will be going anywhere anytime right. soon. Yeah, they yeah. need everything they can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some place for the people to go until they have, you know, what I would assume to be the reservation time. If they go that route at mm-hmm. Walt Disney World, where they can wait, same with Muppet Vision, same with pretty much all the other attractions. So I think it's good for now, like you said. It's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. But as far as where they put it in Galaxy's Edge, you're right. It really doesn't fit. And as far as the technology, even, the technology doesn't match what's going to be at Galaxy's Edge, even though they have updated it. And Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run yeah. is is basically a, a, the next generation of simulator, or it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Uh, so it doesn't really make sense then to have just an older simulator there, right. too. That's going to be prime real estate for something, I think. but Because it is, you know, as is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been there forever, and it's supposed to be kind of getting a, a makeover soon right possibly so but like we said everything will be sticking around mm-hmm. i think they're going to be running a lot of indiana jones on spectacular shows in the fall because they are going to want as yeah. much to do as possible i mentioned my friend who did the american idol experience ali flores he does uh, the assistant director at the stunt show sometimes and he, oh, and nice. yeah he's already talking about they're already talking about expanding the amount of shows from whatever it is now to almost like 10 shows a day with rotating casts and different, different mm-hmm. things like that. I, I looked it up the one day and i think the most that they've done that I could find in recent years, I think was like Christmas week in mm-hmm. 2015 or something like that. I think they did like 11 shows a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, that's why I was looking at that. I'm like, that might be coming back. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Especially if they do like a return time ticket type of thing for galaxy's edge where people are in the park and just waiting around to go into the land. Yeah. It could be very important to have a lot of yeah, shows. Yeah, no, the do. amount of seating there and the amount of seating in Muppets and the amount of seating at the Frozen Ever After attraction they have there, that's all mm-hmm. That's all going to be holding a capacity because of the crowds. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast and the the, the continuously running almost Voyage of the Little Mermaid, right. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. which is another one that's been there for a very long time. My worst audition right. ever was at Voyage of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> What was that? I didn't think you could play an aerial. Well, you know, you'd be surprised with my beard and the bald head. 
Are you a, t- are you a tenor? <laughs> a really high tenor? <laughs> you put a red wig on anybody and they can be. So, uh, I, ha- yeah. exactly. I did a puppeteering audition and they give you the dolphin and they're like, all right, you know, you do basic movements with the dolphin. It's like, all right, now you're going to try to do a flip and you, and you say, so take the dolphin and you got two handles and you take the dolphin in your left hand and you try to do it like a dolphin flip and catch it with your right hand. And for whatever reason, I was just was not. <laughs> <laughs> I was not with the coordination <laughs> that day. It was terrible. I was really, really disappointed in myself. <laughs> that sounds really hard. I, I would mess up just moving the dolphin. I am not coordinated with shows like that. Uh, one, you know, now that I've seen them all many times, both both for my job and and mm-hmm. with the kids. So, I, I start, you know, as as you do, you start to pay attention to things other than what's going right. on in the show. Mm-hmm. And one of the things with Voyage of the Mermaid I am always thinking about is like all the puppeteers in the back just dressed mm-hmm. in solid mm-hmm. black. And you can kind if you focus on it, you can kind of see them like in the under the sea scene, like running and right. jumping and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff with the, the puppets. And uh, I always think like, man, I... I, if I was doing that, I would run into people. I'd probably <laughs> mm-hmm. fall over. Like it would be, it would be just awful. And I, I then I start wondering, like, have they ever just smashed into each other coming from different directions? And oh, you just see the fish kind of right. fall to the stage, and then you pick back up and run out. Like it would be yeah. very funny, but I would feel very bad. Oh, I know that would be me. That's that's why that's why I don't do theater anymore. Let's talk about what attractions that were happy and sad they got rid of. You already know what I'm sad they got rid of. I was going to say. I think I feel like we've we've I've, covered I've some of this that. already. But. Yes, I have voiced that. Surprisingly, I mean, people would be like, "Why?" I was kind of upset they got rid of the sorcerer's hat, which everyone I think is happy they got rid of, only because I feel like. It was around for so much of you sure. know the times that I went there. You know, it was just always there. There was like a little gift shop in there. So I always made sure to kind of, you know, look around because it was, you know, in the shade and stuff. So I was a little bummed. Didn't tear me up the way the great movie ride did. But I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So that was taken down in 2015. And a lot of people rejoiced, but I was not one of well, them. Well, and I, I think that's one of those things that it kind of depends when you first started going to the mm-hmm. park. Because that yeah. it was there since 2001. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of people that first saw the park while that sorcerer's hat was there. So right. to them, that's how the park was supposed to look. To Everyone who had been there in the '90s, it was just getting in the way of a much better view of the of the Chinese right. theater behind it. So, right. you know, I I understand both of those. I, I was pretty much anti sorcerer's hat completely, so uh, I was happy they got rid of it. Also, but I do understand that for some people, that was the nostalgia right. was the hat. Well, and now I appreciate it because you have such a great view for the Chinese theater. And now they have the projection shows on it. Mm-hmm. So it was a great choice in the end, but at the time I'm like, uh, but for you guys, maybe it was the water tower. That was a bummer for you, <laughs> or maybe you didn't care at all. You know? No. And in terms of icons, the water tower, I would say was the icon of the park at the time, mm-hmm. you know, the Chinese theater was about, you know, the immersive experience when you entered the park, you know, going up Hollywood Boulevard all the way to the Chinese theater. I mean, that was, you were sucked in the same way, you, you know, Cinderella's castle to, you know, from main street, but you know the you know at the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World, they you know they turned Cinderella's castle into a, bir- a pink birthday cake, and you know they had the little Epcot ar- arc over Spaceship Earth for a couple of years. So you know when it's a short term thing, maybe I can accept it a little better. It was a very long time for the Sorcerer's Hat, and I feel like they could have been placed in other areas that 
didn't block. You know, I, I felt like it started the disjointedness of the studios in some ways in the mid two thousands. And yeah, I can see that, and it was like fourteen years of that too. So I can see how that would and be I, lengthy. I think part of the reason they did it was because that park didn't have the big the big icon kind of in the center like the other parks mm-hmm. did and they still don't really what i think they're using tower of terror now right. basically as the park mm-hmm. icon yeah. but which is like kind of way off to one side mm-hmm. i was actually surprised that they didn't just move the sorcerer's hat out mm-hmm. front like out by the lake yep. um Ooh, I, yeah because then they could have still used it as the icon but it wouldn't have actually impacted the view at well all. especially that they moved um, the christmas the christmas tree used to be in front of the park and they moved that to over by indiana uh, Jones, echo lake, right? yeah, echo by lake. Echo lake. Yeah. and so it seemed to like make sense that that would be the place for it to, i was like well you don't have the christmas tree any, anymore you could have just had the sorcerer's hat up front and especially in the, the first year fantasia was a huge part of of the studios because in 1990 it was the 50th anniversary of fantasia so you had sorcerer's in the sky, mm-hmm. the fireworks show, a lot of Fantasia-oriented merchandise. Obviously, Fantasmic is a big deal, so it's a part of it's mm-hmm. it's well incorporated. So, not that it shouldn't exist, but probably not where it was for so long. Yeah, I see the next one on your list here, Angela, is uh, the the Osborne <laughs> Spectacle of Lights, which I had is one of those things that I'm actually upset enough about that I kind of blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I never saw it, if you can believe it. Uh, it I, I only saw it, unfortunately, the last few years that it was mm. there because I had just never really gotten been down there around Christmas time until I started yeah. having to do it for, for work. And then I went and luckily, I, you know, I was down there with the family one year, so they all got to see it. Oh, um, so neat. But uh, it, it's, it's I, I, I love Christmas. I love Christmas mm. lights. Uh, and we're the only one, you know, we're the ones on our block that have – uh, I think I'm up to somewhere in the 18 to 20 range for like little an- light up animals and things that cover my front yard. <laughs> You're one of those people. Uh, absolutely. Yes. And uh, so the Osborne lights was kind of an overload mm-hmm. of, of that. I am still holding out hope that they will find a way to put it somewhere but it is one of the things that I really, really wish they didn't have mm-hmm. to get rid of. And I understand they did. They just, they took down the streets of America where it, it, they used to have it. So, mm-hmm. and then, and before that they took down residential street, which was where they had had it before. So uh, I understand that they, they have trouble finding a place to put it, but I, I, I also feel like they're not working hard enough to figure right. it out. Right. Not right now, anyway. No, that was big on our list. I mean, Christmas and Disney is probably our family's two biggest loves. Uh, And uh, so we loved, (laughs) I mean, we love the theme parks in general at Christmas time. And what even what the studios have tried in terms of updates, I find the studios to be very well themed at Christmas in general. The projections on Tower of Terror a cool, a cool addition, but even just how the park feels with the Christmas decor in some ways, I think it's just as good as main street. And so, yeah, yeah, I miss the Osborne lights too. I wonder about Disney Springs and whether they could pull it off there, but as more time goes, the years go by. I wonder if it's just going to, you know, not ever make a comeback, you know, every year that goes by, I think less and less that it'll happen, but holding out hope because it was, it was huge. I loved it on residential street too. I was working the first couple of years of the lights is when I was working there when the residential street still had the decorations and you would loop around and meet up with Santa goofy 
Goofy at the end of the loop on Residential Street. So that was a really fun time. If you were injured (laughs) at the park, I don't think I've ever said this out loud. If you were injured, but you still wanted to work, you could help uh, test the light bulbs at the Osborne (laughs) lights the first couple of years. That's true. Really? So... What by put it like putting them in your mouth to see if they, if they, <laughs> see if they like it. you're already you're already on workers comp just yeah, do this exactly <laughs> that was that was off that was a thing so uh, it, it was a big deal during the first couple of years that I was working there and yeah I miss it and 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 it always grew which was great it was always seemed mm-hmm. always like there was more and more of the dancing lights and everything like that so I would love to see it appear somewhere else as well. Yeah, I mean, Brian, I don't know if you've been to Hollywood Studios around Christmas the past year or two, but I went there in November and it was just, it was fantastic. Just the nostalgic Christmas decorations. I, I think you went the year before, actually, yep. did, didn't you? Yeah, and and that Christmas tree is my favorite one out of the four parks. And what they've done with Hollywood Studio or the Tower of Terror is incredible. Toy Story Land, that mm-hmm. overlay, mm-hmm. so neat. I just yeah. my favorite park for Christmas. Yeah, I didn't see the Toy Story overlay. That wasn't there uh, last time I was there. But uh, I, I really like the the when I was there was I think it was the first year they had started doing like the kind of old timey decorations around like Echo Lake mm. and everything. Right. And that's gorgeous. Yeah, I love it. I do miss the just all out light blitz that is was the Osborne <laughs> lights. Mm. So. Now studio tour the studio backlot tour is another one that I never got to do. <laughs> I just, I missed out on all of the great stuff, you know, in the heyday of MGM and Hollywood Studios. Sorry, I never, I never got to do uh, the uh, Alien Encounter in Magic Kingdom. Oh, wow. That still, that still haunts Mm. me. I know. I didn't either. I was too little at the time when, when that was going. We, that was just right in between our trips. We got lucky enough, I guess, to be there when they were doing like soft previews for uh, Stitch's Great Escape right after they mm. changed it. So did get to see that one very Alien early. Encounter, I think, is the most underrated attraction in Walt Disney World history because... I've, I've always heard it was great. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> It was in the wrong park. It should that should have been in the studios. You know that would have been a great addition to it too. From what I heard, my brothers always said how creepy it was. So then I never went on it after that because I heard it was too scary. <laughs> and then by the time I was ready, you know, it was closed. But Studio Backlot Tour. So this was basically like a walking slash tram ride that kind of shows you how film special effects were produced from what i understand yeah the first part of it if you if you could do it in either order after a while but the first part of it was the tram ride it would take you through like the prop warehouse and the costuming and it would take you through catastrophe canyon to show you some special effects you know back when there was residential street you'd see all the facades of the certain of certain houses and then yeah the second park was usually a more special effects and then the walking tour of the different sound stages and usually, you know, originally you would get like a couple of movie trailers at the end, uh, sitting in the theater. So uh, that was always fun. When it first opened, wasn't it like a two-hour attraction or something? Like it was that? long, yeah, because wow. you know we talked. Yeah, it was it was about two hours long. Which often either the the wait would make you go somewhere else, or the or the length of the the tour itself would make you go somewhere else if you didn't have the time on hand and the. Yeah, people talk about, oh, there's not many attractions in the studios. I mean, when opening day, it was only movie ride, superstar television, monster sound show, and the backlot tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's and that, that was it. And that was it. Yeah, but it was two hours, you know, it was two to three hours every day, depending on the length of the line to get on the tram. 
I, I can't even imagine them trying to pitch a two-hour attraction now. <laughs> it sounds insane. Well, but. it sounds like such a waste of time. It sounds like a tour, like a literal tour that you would go on, and well, which it was. Which but. is, I mean, it was it was kind of aping the the Universal Studios mm-hmm. Hollywood yeah. tour. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference being that you know they didn't really film much stuff in Hollywood no, Studios. No, very little. Yeah. All right. Well, what what additions? We talked about what we're happy, sad they got rid of. You guys are happy they got rid of the sorcerer's hat. We're sad they got rid of. Well, we already talked about that. What additions have you enjoyed? I've really enjoyed the addition of Toy Story Land. I think mm-hmm. that it has come together really well. I think the best time to see it is for sure at night because there's no shade during the day. So it's super hot, but at night, Oh, it's beautiful with the Christmas lights and just the overall kind of carnival atmosphere. I have just Mm -hmm. so enjoyed experiencing toy story land. Like I said, especially with that holiday overlay, but just really anytime. Um, What about you two? I mean, yeah, Toy Story Land. Toy Story Land is funny because I got to go on three different days last year. And the first day that I went was in late August with the two-year-old at the time who had not napped on the plane, which was unfortunate right there. But it was a disaster. Disaster. And so I was like, oh, the shade and blah blah blah, and the line for the Andy's lunchbox, and so it wasn't like a negative per se, but it wasn't, it wasn't the best case scenario. No. We didn't set our, ourselves up for success. Yes. And then Jen and I went in November to do like little Dillo's Diz uh, expedition there. And we got to go on Slinky Dog and the saucers. And that was really uh Slinky Dog exceeded my expectations. And I had, I had good expectations, but I really, really enjoyed the ride. So that really opened me up a little bit. And then I saw the Christmas overlay a month later. And I thought that was super cool as well. There's a lot of, there's a lot of room for growth there in that Mm -hmm. area so that's what i find really exciting about it if they want to let it happen that way yeah well they've they've already announced that they are adding a table service restaurant the roundup rodeo barbecue is going to open at some point in the future probably Mm -hmm. not at least for a year or so and uh yeah like you said they they could uh add another ride in there if they wanted if they decided Mm -hmm. they wanted to do that i've actually only really been there once and it was not the best conditions. Like I said, it was it was a work trip, so it was just me. Uh, but while well, I was with Steve Bloom, one of our statisticians, and we were shooting uh, our, a video that's on our YouTube channel about doing toys, the Slinky Dog Dash at Rope Drop. Mm. And unfortunately, I pulled the the short straw there, so he mm. got to go right at Rope Drop, and oh. then I went about ten or fifteen minutes mm. later. Mm. So he got to do it in. Um, I think he waited about ten minutes, and then also rode Toy Story Mania in about you know, 20 minutes. Meanwhile, I got to wait for like an hour and 15 minutes in the line. Mm-hmm. And this was also in August. And even though it was first thing in the morning, it was still like 85 degrees already. Mm-hmm. So it was like an hour and 15 minutes of standing in the sun right. and yeah. uh, first thing in the morning. So I was not thrilled about that, but yeah. But the video came out good. And uh, and like you said, I, was, I, I had heard good things about Slinky Dog Dash and was still surprised at how mm-hmm. much in, I enjoyed it. So uh, but that's the only time I've ridden it. I haven't ridden Alien Swirling Saucers yet, although I have, ri- I have ridden uh, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree at 
California no. Adventure, and it's the same ride system. Okay. So I assume I know basically what it is. But yeah, uh, yeah, the the rides in there are plenty good. I have little quibbles, like everybody does, with the, the way these you know the land is laid out a little mm-hmm. bit. But um, but again, all of that can be fixed. So another one that I think Frank, did you write this? Is um the Frozen Sing Along that you've enjoyed? Well, the attraction, it's the uh, it's theatrical. You're in the in the old American Idol Experience Theater, and it's a sing along. Mm-hmm. So you sing along with all the the numbers. And there's interaction with humans as well. They kind of guide you through the different numbers of Frozen. Yes, I really like that one. That's always fun, especially if you're a singer. It's like, what more could you want? It's basically like a group karaoke event. It's so good. They also have a bit of a Christmas ending around the holidays Mm -hmm. where Olaf comes out. Spoiler. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, But yeah, that's always always a really good one. I like to do that, especially with my kids. Fun ending every time. That's another one I would list as surprisingly enjoyable. Yes, agree. Uh, it, it sounds it sounds pretty awful that you go into a theater <laughs> and listen to everybody sing Frozen songs, but the like squires or whatever they are the the two people that kind of lead the show mm-hmm. are delightful, and you do get an appearance from Anna and Elsa at, at the end, Kristoff, and the the kids seem to to really really love uh, especially the ending. So well, yeah, it's it's uh, that it's that adult cynicism i feel like at the idea mm-hmm. of going into it and then if you're with especially if it's with kids that you know you see the enjoyment factor but also you get to be off your feet for half an hour <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it's great. and it, the experience you know it's a it's a group experience a shared experience as it were it's great well and it's, it's just an attraction that everyone I, I look around and everyone's having a good time i really don't see anyone even the dads i, I even see the dads and they're like they're enjoying themselves too and i think there's there's actually a, a joke uh, right before Let It Go where it's like, okay. this one's for you, dads. Like everyone has a good time on this attraction. Finally, Baseline Tap House is a place that I've been dying to go to because the apps look so good, but I have not been there yet. Have either of you? I've only passed through. I have not stopped. I like I kind of like just kind of soaked it in for a couple of minutes. I couldn't stay for a drink, but I just kind of wanted to check out the angles and the views. So I haven't really settled in with a with it. With a nice glass, as it were. This is going to shock everyone. I've been there several times. <laughs> oh gosh, Brian, you you checking out a bar? Yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine. Uh, yeah, and and you know the like breweries and things are are kind of right in my wheelhouse. And this is not a brewery, but it is uh, it, it is a bar that serves beer from several different, mostly California breweries. So you can get, you know, you can kind of build your own beer flight. Uh, which is is nice, and I have had their charcuterie board is is very good, although a little too expensive. Not that's not mm. a surprise. So I do like it a lot, and it was very funny the first time I was there. I believe it opens at eleven a.m., and mm. I had just finished filming something, and it was about ten to eleven, and I thought, and I was in the area, and I thought, you know what, I'll just wait. I'll stand in the shade for a few minutes, and I'll just kind of wait for them to open. And I was one of about. 20 people or so also waiting for a baseline tap house to open. And I thought, Oh, these are my people. Okay. See, when it comes to the bars and lounges, I just, I never think to go to them because I normally have like meal plans that I'm going to review or whatever, but I, I never think to go to those lounges and I really need to try them out more. Cause this one in particular, I don't think have like a pretzel. Mm-hmm. They have like a soft pretzel that just looks so good. Yeah, when, see it. when I'm on solo trips, that's basically <laughs> where I eat is at, 
the bar at places. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go to like the deluxe restaurant and send things like that. And, uh, and just go to the bar right. and get appetizers. Yeah, so. that's a good way to go for sure. That's the way to do it. <laughs> all right, let's let's wrap up this show by talking about what's what's all going to be at Hollywood Studios by the end of 2019. Because you know we we've been here a, a lengthy amount of time. Uh, we've talked about some of them. First of all, there's going to be well, there is a new logo. Um, there's an Incredibles celebration that's running through September 30th. That's at Pixar Place where you can meet Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, Frozone. You can dance, play games. I did want to do this on my last trip. I just got Edna back Mode last week. Too, I believe is there for me. Yeah. That's who I really want to meet. But, you know, they, they have these celebrations and I just have so many things to do. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. meet Mike, Mike and Sully from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> They're at Walt Disney Presents also through September 30th. But I get so busy, I don't get to do these meet and greets. And that's, you know, I was just run out of time. (laughs) But now I'm wondering for you two, do you think because of the Galaxy's Edge craze, they will end up extending these celebrations and these meet and greets just, you know, again, because of the... uh, the mass volume of crowds. <laughs> well, they're going to, I think they better have a lot of contingency plans in place. And if yeah. things aren't working, they're going to have to bring out the next one. <laughs> we're, we're entering speculation yeah. station uh, right uh, now. Yeah. yeah ahead, I, it, it seemed, I was going to say, I mean, it, I, it, they already go through the end of September, so they'll have plenty of time. And I think exactly like Frank said, if people aren't, don't seem to be super interested in meeting the Incredibles, they will just replace them with somebody mm-hmm. else that they think maybe would draw crowds away. You know, even I honestly wouldn't be shocked if people weren't finding like Chewbacca or Kylo Mm -hmm. Ren in in Launch Bay, if they just took like Kylo Ren and put him out there every once in a while, knowing that all the people that are coming through Toy Story Land exiting Galaxy's Edge will stop to do that. that Yeah, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Launch Bay, because, again, that's a big area that a lot of people can just go inside and take a break. Uh, But also the Lightning McQueen attraction which seems way out of place in, in its placement um, to, you know, again, house a lot of people. So both of those things I, I find mm-hmm. also interesting pieces of this cool. Galaxy's Edge puzzle. Well, yeah, Lightning McQueen Racing Academy is open fairly recently and, and seems to be a pretty well yeah. done show. But mm-hmm. like you said, it's in a weird spot. It is it is in the theater that is next to Rock and mm-hmm. Roller Coaster. So you have to kind of walk like you're going to Rock and Roller Coaster. And then before you get to the actual building you just kind of keep going and it's the building next to it it's they've actually had to put signs out already pointing people in the direction because it is it is so out of the way what was there brian i had no idea there was even a theater next to rock and roller coaster nothing permanent they did like a villains Mm -hmm. like dinner meet or something they did some weird villains thing there for like Mm -hmm. one summer they did a you know a dance party there for a little while is for something like it, they've just kind of used it. I think it is either like event space or something like that that they've just kind of used on and off. And I guess they decided to make it permanent. But uh, yeah, weird weird location. And like you said, Launch Bay. I think its days are numbered, but it mm-hmm. won't be. It will stay for at least yeah. a year, I'm sure, just as a way to get Star Wars fans to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. We've heard that there's a possibility that that will be where the actual merch is that says like Galaxy's Edge on it and that kind of stuff that to sure. get people to go to to the other uh-huh. side of the park. Yeah. But um, 
but I think I think in by say like twenty twenty one, I think that's going to end up being gone. Yeah, I wonder what they'll put there, or if that will just be the Galaxy's Edge merch. Well, there's a lot of space there, and right. um, and mm-hmm. the space behind it does connect to that space next right. to Toy Story Land. Oh. So you could put they could Can put a ride? they could put an entire another land back there if they really wanted. Oh. Yeah, they got a lot of, a lot of room back there. Yeah. But you know, Hollywood <laughs> Studios is the one park that just confuses the heck out of me. I get so lost <laughs> after you know. I thought Magic Kingdom was confusing. No, this is way worse for me. Well, Magic Kingdom, you know, if you just get back to the hub, you can figure out which way to go. Yeah, you can Hollywood kind of Studios doesn't exactly have that. Like. Uh, Animal Animal Kingdom is the one that gets me. I still haven't figured it out. (laughs) You have the luxury of working at Hollywood Studios, so I suppose you have an edge. (laughs) That's right. I'm a Pizza Rizzo is open again. It was closed and it opened. It was Pizza Planet, which you, I mean, so many people have said Mm -hmm. this. You think that because Toy Story Land is now there, why is there not a Pizza Planet there? And really make it an authentic Pizza Planet just like the film, which I think would be neat and it would bring people there, but it is Pizza Rizzo. Well, even Pizza Rizzo is just barely themed. I, I mean, it's <laughs> it's the least amount of Muppet stuff you could put in something and consider it Muppet themed. Yeah. Yeah, and even when it, I mean, but even when it was Pizza Planet, I, when it first became Pizza Planet, uh, Buzz and Woody kind of did the sets from outside there and then went inside. It was in like the part arcade mm-hmm. part circular pizza scenario mm-hmm. the same i think they're still serving the same pizzas from the mid 90s they had an oversight <laughs> uh but that's it looked the same i saw the menu i was like it's the same pizza <laughs> yeah i'm a little disappointed they didn't do a little bit more and again it's that it's that follow-through of disney and the muppets that always confounds me yeah i mean they're trying though pizza rizzo right by the muppets attraction i don't know um, if pizza rizzo is considered trying but <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're putting in, you know, a little bit, I guess, a little bit of work. And then we have the Wonderful World of Animation show that just premiered or debuted last week. I actually saw... I was going to say, I'm assuming you're the only one that's seen it. So. I, I, I am. I saw the very first show last Wednesday. Cool. I do have a video coming out that shows clips of that. Very cool show. Shows clips of most Disney films. Just kind of brings you through the 90, 90 years of animation. It all started with a mouse. Uh, I definitely think you should go see it if you get the chance. Very cute, very cool. Um, Good, you know, lasers, fireworks, all that stuff. And then, what, do we have anything else other than that? No, it's just Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which will come August 29th. Yeah, just like a little little housekeeping detail there, which will, uh, first phase will include Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, and then later we will have Rise of the Resistance. Frank, how do you, as a former you know, cast member. What are your feelings on on what they will end up doing operationally for the Galaxy's Edge at Disney World? I'm more interested in the long game of when they incorporate the the resort with it and how that's going to change things. I feel like mm-hmm. we're in we're in two big big uh, situations here. The first one being the crowds that this park is not going to be that accustomed to yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be the fourth of july in the magic kingdom every day right for- <laughs> yeah. and i don't know if the studios can brace themselves with the crowds i mean 
again, when I was working there in the mid nineties and, and both, you know, tower terror first and then rock and roller coaster later, you know, the people that suffered were the citizens of Hollywood, the streetmosphere, because they were like, stop bottlenecking the roads. <laughs> oh, <God>. now, <laughs> and now, <laughs> now, well, now they'll be begging them to create a bottleneck on sunset yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, like, can you, <laughs> Pull the crowd this way, please, so we can open up a path of some kind. Uh, yeah, so I'll be pulling people down Sunset Boulevard because everyone will be going the other way. So it'll be super fascinating how I, I know I'm a little curious, too, of I can't wait to see the connect between Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land because, you know, you used to have that circular you used to go around and cut down New York Street to get from one side to the other mm-hmm. if you're over by Toy Story Mania and you could cut through. Uh, so I'm curious to see that you know, congested area <laughs> more so than uh, how people are just going to get through the front of the park. It's going to be fascinating. Oh gosh. What are your thoughts, Brian? I really don't know what they're going to do. It, it's Frank said that, that they're going to be dealing with crowds that they really haven't seen. And that might be literally true. Hollywood studios has very rarely had like closures for capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I can tell, it's only happened twice, uh, both during Christmas week, once in 2009, once in 2011. They got up to a phase two closure. That could happen a lot <laughs> this year. Yeah. Uh, I think during Christmas week is a given. It oh, will yeah. hit capacity. And it's very possible it could like right around the Galaxy's Edge opening as well. So they are going to have a lot to deal with. I think it's going to be pretty frustrating for everybody for guests for cast members for you know you know and, and anybody listening to this that happens to be going remember the cast members you're dealing with on the ground are not the ones that made these decisions it is not their fault treat them <laughs> but, with respect they're as stressed as you but um, uh but yeah i i'm I, i'm curious to know now now that they've announced the the park hours and it, it they have indicated a few times that they will not do a reservation system like they're doing at disneyland I do wonder how they're going to handle the lineup because Mm -hmm. there will be people trying to line up overnight for Mm -hmm. possibly weeks. You know, I mean, people that will for August 29th that might get there on August 20th with a tent. I wonder what they will do with those people and whether they will just keep chasing them away until the night before Uh, what will happen if they set that tent up near the boardwalk or, you know, like I, 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 there will be people that will try crazy things, I think. And I'm, I'm very curious to see what Disney's response will be to those crazy things. Even seeing the lines for Slinky Dog Dash that opening weekend last year, I was like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this at the studios before. And, yeah. and that was just the roller coaster. Brian, when was that stated that they were leaning towards no reservation system? I don't remember exactly, but I, I feel like they've said that a couple of times that they weren't going to do. I, I don't think officially. I think it's just being reported, you know, like as comments from sources and things like that. And, uh, and, that's, and really, how that, could they, I suppose? And that that's also what we've been hearing. Well, I, and I, I do, I think some of it is tough because there are so many more hotels at Disney mm-hmm. World than sure. at Disneyland. It would be hard to give every hotel guest their own reservation like they're doing at Disneyland. But I would be surprised if they didn't do like a return ticket system. Like uh, Mm -hmm. when Diagon Alley opened at at Universal Studios, you had to basically go get a a fast pass just to get into the land. I would be surprised if they didn't do something similar to that, at least, because then that way, theoretically, everyone that is in the park that day could at least get to see it. But to get into that park, I mean, if they're opening at 6 a.m., 
the line will start the day before. There is mm-hmm. there's no question about that. Uh, at Disneyland, they've already said that they will allow people to line up overnight uh, before the opening of Galaxy's Edge there, which I don't exactly understand because uh, I, you'll have a reservation, but, uh, but they are still allowing it. So I'm sure they will end up allowing it for World. But I don't know how they're going to do it. And it's, and they kind of won't say anything. And it's for someone who enjoys that stuff a lot. I am a little frustrated that they aren't even giving hints as to how they're going to handle this. And I think the answer is they don't know yet. Well, yeah, I think, you know, like we've talked about in past episodes, I think it really depends on how the opening of Disneyland goes. They're, they're going to take their cue from how that goes and what they learn and go from there. Yeah. And I think what the studios has there to their advantage in terms of not dealing with those crowds before is the size of the Disneyland park itself also being kind of small in size and, Mm -hmm. uh, and seeing how the crowds navigate the way through their way through that park as a good indication Mm -hmm. for sure. It's going to be very interesting summer from a crowd's perspective because both Disneyland and Hollywood Studios will be pretty disastrous <laughs> once these things open to levels that we it's that very possibly we haven't seen before mm. which is saying something especially for Disneyland a park that can get very very crowded so um we'll we'll see it'll be it'll be fun stay tuned <laughs> All right. I think that's all we have for today. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the time, and I love talking about the studio. So anytime. I'm happy to talk again. Yeah, we'll have to have your sister Jen on sometime. And (laughs) if you want to find um, Frank and Jen, they are at Dillo's Diz on Twitter. Frank is at Frank M. Cardillo, and Jen is at Jenillo. So people put all of those in the show notes so you don't have to just you know, phonetically think about that. Brian is at yes, that Brian, and I am at Angela Dahlgren. Very easy. (laughs) And we are at Touring Plans on all social media handles. If you want to use hashtag TPPOD to reach us, you're more than welcome to do that. Otherwise, we will see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.